0: Hey guys, it's Scott. I just want to thank you for tuning into the Blue Ridge Church podcast. You know, I hope this is encouraging to you. I hope it's inspiring to you. And I pray most of all, it's going to help you on your faith journey. So enjoy today. Well, good morning and welcome to Blue Ridge Church. My name is Cody. I'm one of the pastors here. And thanks for being here with us uh, this morning. If you're joining us online, I just want to say thanks for hanging out with us this morning. If it's your first time with us uh, this morning, Uh, I want to invite you to scan a QR code that's here on the side screens. Uh, That's going to help you follow along with today's talk uh, by giving you some notes. But this morning, we're continuing a series that we've called Follow the Leader. And what we're doing in this series is we're learning lessons on leadership and really on life from the example of Jesus. And one of the biggest things when it comes to leadership, I think, is uh, we have this tendency to think that leaders are born. And so we think that leaders are born and we say things like, you know, I could never do that. I could never be what a leader like that. or Or I could never do what they did. You know, I was never born in the right family. I wasn't born in the right part of the country. I don't live in the right neighborhood. I don't have enough resources or money or time or, you know, fill in the blank. But leaders aren't born, leaders are made. And we're reminded this is just a principle of life, isn't it? That nothing beautiful in life happens by accident. You know, nobody retires with millions and millions of dollars because it just happens by accident. Nobody gets in shape because it happens by accident. You know, we have to work at these things. And really, the difference maker between a leader and a great leader or a great leader and everybody else is that great leaders do consistently what other people do occasionally, right? That great leaders do consistently what other people do occasionally. And so, you know, I work out occasionally. Arnold Schwarzenegger works out consistently. Luckily for me, I look like Brad Pitt, and my wife is fine with that. And, and so, But great leaders do consistently what others do occasionally. And so the question is, well, what's consistent in my life? Am I consistent in my life? How am I leading others? Am I leading myself in a consistent way? Am I speaking to others in a consistent way? And then we begin to think about that and we're like, my goodness, who could possibly get that right? You know, 100% of the time to be consistent. You know, there are some times where I don't feel good or maybe we get busy and we don't have the bandwidth to think about every single interaction that we have with other people. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm tired. You know, the bad news is, is that we're not gonna get this figured out 100% of the time. But the good news is, is that Jesus was, was perfect. He modeled this and he modeled consistency for us in the way that he lived, in the way that he led other people, in the way that he led himself, in the way that he spoke to other people. And so if you're a Jesus follower here this morning, I think that should be our goal is to to learn how to be more like Christ by following his example of how he does these things really, really well. And I know that may not be you here this morning. You're not a Jesus follower but I still think there are some really fantastic things that we can learn from the leadership and the life of Jesus. He says in Luke 22, Jesus says, but among you, it will be different. Those who are the greatest among you should take the lowest rank and the leader should be like a servant. And so Jesus reminds us here that, that serving is leadership that it's not demanding of other people, leadership is not dictating or bossing people around. Leadership at its core is serving other people. And that's good news and bad news. The bad news of that is that none of us gets cop out, right? We're all leaders in some regard because we all serve someone in some capacity. If you're married, you serve a spouse. If you have a kid, you serve that kid as their parent. If you're an employee, you serve uh, your boss, if you're the boss, you serve a board or your clients, right? That we all serve somebody. And if we all serve somebody, we all have the opportunity to lead where God's placed us. And so if we're all leaders, man, I I hope that we want to be good leaders. And so let's look together at some of the things that we learn from how Jesus led. Learning number one to lead effectively, I need to give people a good example to follow. I'm need to give people a good example to follow. And so really leadership begins with me. I'm not going to be effective at leading you or anybody else in my life, my family, if I'm not leading myself first. So what does that mean? Well, great leaders, you know, if I live right, I'm going to lead right. If I I live right, I'm gonna lead right. If there's something wrong with the way that I'm living, I'm not gonna lead in the way that God has called me to lead. And so we need to ask that hard question of God, what in my life is modeling what it shouldn't be modeling? Where am I being an example in my life for somebody else? Am I setting a good example? Am I setting an example that looks like Jesus? to other people. And again, Jesus did this perfectly. He never asked anybody to do something that he wasn't willing to do himself or was already doing himself. He says in John 13, I've given you an example to follow. Do as I have done to you. And so what Jesus says is, he says, I did it. Jesus says, I modeled it. And you don't have to guess at what you're supposed to be doing. You're supposed to be doing what I showed you how to do. And the context here makes it even more powerful. The context is that Jesus had just washed the feet of his disciples. And so in that, he's saying, look, this is true leadership. This is truly loving people is serving them. Just as I have served you, Jesus says, now you go and serve other people. but I think the problem that we have sometimes today is that we don't know the difference between being a leader and being a boss. You know, the difference between a boss and a leader is a boss tells you how to do something, but a leader shows you how to do something, right? That a leader shows the way by going the way and then invites other people to follow them. Scripture says this in a great way. It says, don't lord it over the people assigned to your care. Don't just boss them around, but lead them by your own good example. And so what am I modeling in my life? What am I being an an example of to others in my life? Paul tells Timothy, do not let anyone look down on you because you are young. But set an example for believers in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. So we're reminded here that leaders were to be thoughtful about our speech. We're to be consistent with the way that we love other people by the way that we talk to other people. You know, it, it says that I'm to live my life in faith, but that means, oh, well, sure, I live my life in faith. But does that mean that we agree with God on everything that God says? You know, I can have integrity when it's beneficial to me, but do I have integrity when being honest about something could do me harm? You know, that's what it looks like to live by faith sometimes. Something else Jesus does with Consistency is learning number two. To lead with significance, I need to be challenged. That we need to be challenged. That I think about people who have retired, and that could be a hard transition, right? That you've gone from, uh, for 40 years plus, you know, uh, being needed from nine to five, that you've had responsibilities, and kind of overnight, that feeling of, of being needed Of having to be someplace kind of vanishes overnight. But I think the best uh, that those that do best in retirement are those that stay involved, you know, that they keep their mind engaged. They find a spot to volunteer. They serve here at church. They lead a group here at Blue Ridge because they know that challenge is good for them. And this is exactly what Jesus does with those around him. He, He constantly challenges people. He stretched people to do something with their life that was significant. Luke tells us that Jesus even challenged himself, which we kind of take this for granted, right? Well, Jesus is God. He doesn't need to challenge himself, but this is what he does. I mean, the Spirit led him into the wilderness where he fasted and prayed for 40 days. Jesus got up early in the morning and spent time with God in prayer and then community, and he did that after he had worked all day and loved people and listened to them and taught them all day and and done miracles and healed people. You know, Jesus was a very disciplined person who challenged himself, and Jesus challenges us too. He'll challenge our priorities. He'll call us to give up something uh, here that's even good, something good to do something better over there. And it's what he did with our family, you know, uh, calling us to Texas and then for eight years living there and then calling us back to uh, the East Coast. He challenges us to do new things. Uh, One day a wealthy guy comes up to Jesus and this guy had this sense, you know, even though he had everything that you could imagine from a worldly perspective, he felt like he was missing something. And so what Jesus does is he challenged his priorities. In Matthew 19, it says, Jesus told him, if you want to be perfect, go and sell all your possessions and give the money to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. And so what Jesus does here is he challenges this guy. Jesus knew that this guy was living from money. His whole identity was wrapped up in his wealth. And so Jesus hits him right square in the priorities. And he invites him to give up everything and come and follow me for something better. You know, is not here on earth, but your treasure will be in heaven. And Jesus does this with us. Because sometimes, it's not money where he challenges us, but it's with our time. It's with uh, our relationships. Jesus says, is that really the person you need to be hanging out with? Is that somebody that, that invites you to become more like me? Maybe it's something with service, you know. Jesus says, okay, it's time to start giving back. Maybe it's something in our life that We need to give up to get something better that God has planned for us. This is how he challenges our our priorities, but Jesus also challenges our faith, doesn't he? He challenges our, our faith by inviting us to do the impossible. And that stretches our faith when we see that the impossible thing is possible through his power. He says, as you go, proclaim this message. The message of heaven has come near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. Freely you have received, and so freely give. So Jesus says, as we have been given to freely, now we have an opportunity to give to others freely that we're a blessed people because of what he's done in our lives, and now we are free to be a blessing in the lives of other people. And so he says, go and do these things. And while you're at it, you know, go raise a few dead people and cast out some demons. I mean, how would you feel if Jesus said that to you? One of the things that I think about and have been thinking about this week is, think about when you first came to Christ. All of those things that you felt were impossible, where you've seen God move and make those things possible now. You know, maybe when you came to him, you were caught in an addiction that he's freed you from now. Maybe you were struggling. Maybe you were lost. Maybe you were hurting. And you just never felt like any of that could change. But by his power, he changed that in your life. Maybe it was different and you were on the other side and you felt like you had everything, but you still felt like you were missing something. And you felt like there's nothing in the world that could change the way that I feel. But Jesus changed the way that you felt. And he's changing you now. This is how Jesus challenges our faith. He invites us into a next step with him. And sometimes it could be like the impossible, right? To I want you to go and forgive this person. Oh God, you don't understand. I could never forgive that person. Maybe he wants you to start giving. Oh God, you don't understand, right? I could never do that. I don't have time to serve or I don't have time to to join a group. I got too much going on. Listen, sometimes it's a good thing that God asks you to give up in order to get a better thing. It's not God's design just to ask you to give up, you know, the bad stuff in your life, the bad habits. He certainly does that too. But sometimes he calls us to give up the good for the better. Listen, if I had told God that... What he wanted to do in my life was impossible, and just settled for where I was or for where I felt comfortable. I would have sold myself way short. I remember when I first had gotten sober. I was working in an unair-conditioned warehouse in uh, Fort Worth, Texas. Super hot in the summer, very cold in the winter, and I thought that I was stuck. I thought that my ministry was over because of some dumb decisions that I had made, that was seven years ago. And God has changed some things since then. And what that does for me is probably what it does for you is that when we see God do the impossible in our own lives, it reminds us that God can do the impossible in the lives of others. If God can do it with, with me, he can do it with you too. And not only can God do it, but God wants to. He desires that for us. There's another thing we see Jesus do with consistency. Learning number three, to lead others to greatness, I have to see and affirm their potential. So think about this, right? Somebody believes in us, they begin to spend time with us. They think that we can do more than we think we can do, and and that starts to rub off on us. And what it does is it pushes us to do do things that we previously thought were impossible, right? That we all need somebody in our life that pushes us to go beyond our own ability. And so for me, one of the things that I enjoy doing but I'm not good at is uh, mountain biking. And so, one of the things I do is I take a guy from Blue Ridge uh, to go out with me, and I do that so that I can tell Scott that I'm working, right? Is that I'm taking a guy from Blue Ridge, right? That counts. Now, the real reason is, is that this guy is a little bit better than me, right? And so, just by chasing him, it causes me to be better. Well, we need somebody in our life that's doing that for us in every aspect of our life, you know, fitness, health, whatever it may be, but really we need somebody doing that for us spiritually. And we try and do that here, you know, in any of the talks we give, we do that in in the kids' ministry, in in youth ministry, we do all those things uh, for you, try and give you a word that you can live by, you know, each week, something that you can apply your life, but really where the rubber meets the road with this one is in groups, right? That we begin uh, to develop relationships with people as we study God's word with them, or as we do uh, an activity that's a shared interest, and they invite us to take a next step towards Christ. And so that may be a good step for you, right? If you don't have anybody in your life who's challenging you to improve spiritually or to take steps towards Jesus, join the group, you'll find somebody. And really, if you're on the other side of that and you're thinking, yeah, I have that person, but I'm not doing that for the person behind me, then that's a great way to do that too. Join a group and, and get familiar with somebody and find somebody in there that you're a little bit further along, that you can help them in their faith journey. I love... What Mark does, he tells us the same story about this wealthy guy, but he adds a couple of details that, that tell us about the heart of Jesus. It says, looking at the man, Jesus felt genuine love for him. There's still one thing you haven't done, he told him. Go and sell all your possessions and give the money to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. So I love this because it reminds me that Jesus looks at him. It's not a casual glance. It's that he looked at him and he loved him. He felt for him, right? He paid attention to him. He he saw worth and value in his life. And really, that's the case for every single person that we come into contact with on a daily basis. That every single person has potential and worth and value in the eyes of God, but we miss out on speaking that encouragement over them because we're in a hurry, you know, that we hear people, but we don't really listen to them, that we look at people, but we don't really see them. But the best leaders are the ones who see and bring out the best in other people. So there's really no bigger knucklehead in all of Scripture than Peter right? That he's the guy that sank when he was supposed to have faith. He was the guy that cut off a dude's ear when it was like, read the room, bro. Like, you don't need to be cutting off somebody's ear right now. He was the guy that denied Jesus when he just told Jesus he wasn't gonna deny it. And so what's Jesus say about it? He tells him he's the rock. He says, Peter, on you, you are the foundation of the church, that Jesus, instead of saying all of his mistakes, he saw something great in Peter. He saw a potential in Peter, and he committed to walk with Peter as long as he could to help him to reach that potential. And so something great happens, right, when somebody does that in our life. Jesus did this, not just with Peter, but with the rest of the disciples. He says. In John 14, I tell you the truth, anyone who believes in me will do the same works as I have done, and even greater works because I'm going to be with a father. So for me, this is the dream of every parent, right, that we desire for our kids to have all the things that we never had, you know, the stuff, the love, the opportunity, the quality time. And that was the dream of our parents, too, before that. And why do we do that? Well, because we desire for our kids to have more success than we ever had, more community, more freedom, uh, more social mobility, whatever it is, a closer walk with Christ. We want that for our kids more than we had it for ourselves. And so Jesus says the same thing here. He says, you're going to be able to do more than I ever could. Now, how is that true? Well, the same spirit that led Jesus is the same spirit that leads us. You ever think about that? And certainly, we have that same spirit, but now, today, we have technology that Jesus never had. We have the ability to travel like Jesus never had. I know it's shocking to some of you, but I'm not real popular on Instagram. But some of you are, and you could post something today and reach more people today than Jesus ever reached in his lifetime on earth, in his three-year ministry. Isn't that incredible to think about? So we could do more today than what Jesus did in his three-year ministry. But listen, most of us are here today, or we are where we are in life today because someone saw in us a potential that we didn't see in ourselves, right? That somebody saw in us the potential that we didn't see in ourselves. And really for me, that was in that warehouse where I felt like I was gonna be stuck forever, you know, doing a dead end job. Two guys came alongside me and they loved me and they saw the mess that I had made and, and they helped me get out of it, you know? and they encouraged me and they gave me a chance where other people wouldn't give me a chance. They saw in me a potential that I couldn't see in myself. And really, when we begin uh, to see others that way, it makes learning number four the next logical step for us. To help others lead well, I have to trust them with responsibility that really nothing in our life develops us faster as leaders and as people than being trusted with responsibility, right? To actually get our hands dirty doing something because somebody has trusted us with something. People, most of the time, respond well to being given responsibilities that they oftentimes will live up to the expectations that we have for them. Look at the Example of Jesus, again, how he does this with consistency in his life. In Matthew, he says, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever doors you lock on earth shall be locked in heaven. Whatever doors you open on earth shall be open in heaven. And that's responsibility, isn't it? That he gives us the responsibility to unlock hearts of those around us. When we share the good news, when we share that Jesus has died a death for us that we really deserved so that we could have a life that we could never earn, that's good news. And it has the ability to unlock the people's hearts that are around us. But it's responsibility, right? So it has a shadow side. And the shadow side is when we don't do that, we're leaving those hearts around us locked. And so, we do this well, though. I mean, I see Blue Ridge Church, and you guys do this uh, amazingly well. You know, when you invite your friends to church, you're doing this. When you tell your friends your story about how Christ has uh, transformed your life or done the impossible in your life, you're sharing that message. You're sharing that hope. Maybe uh, invite your friends to your group that you do here with Blue Ridge. You know, it's... You invite a neighbor that didn't go here to, hey, well, just come hang out with us, do an activity together. Let's study something together. In group, you're, you're doing that and sharing the good news of Jesus. One of the incredible things that I think is that Jesus knows we're gonna fail at this. You know, we're not gonna get it right 100% of the time. But really, that's one of the best ways that we learn that failure isn't fatal, And we have an opportunity to do this, especially with our kids. You know, I'm going to give them some responsibility. I see that they're headed for failure. And we let them fail because it's easier to fail at home in a safe environment than it is out there in the real world where it's not as forgiving. And so if you ask parents, okay, okay, what would you do all over again given the chance? That's one of the overwhelming responses that you get that I would have given my kids more responsibility. I would have given them responsibility uh, earlier on, and I would have held them accountable to it. And so I'm going to practice that in my own life. I'd encourage you to come talk to me after the service. i got a two-year-old and a four-year-old who uh, will sweep chimneys and mow your grass because they have not been pulling their weight around the house. So uh, I got to ask the manager, I'm just the assistant manager, if she'll approve (laughs) that. But But we don't give away responsibility all at once, right? We give away responsibility gradually. Jesus says this. He says, if you're faithful in the little things, you'll be faithful in large ones. But if you're dishonest in little things, you won't be honest with greater responsibilities. Listen, I would never be a goose pastor here at Blue Ridge if I hadn't led a group in the first place. And I wouldn't have led a group in the first place if I didn't fill in for somebody who was leading a group. And I wouldn't be talking to you guys if you know I didn't go to nursing homes and learn how to get up in front of people and talk and, and learn how you know to study God's word. We we take gradual steps to do the things that God has designed us to do. And man, wouldn't it be a whole lot easier if we were just born leaders? You know, if we came out and you know somebody had a stamp there and they just said, you know, this guy is going to be a leader and this guy is going to be a CEO and this guy's going to do this thing. It would make it simpler. But really, what Jesus does is so much better because Jesus doesn't just make us leaders by being made sure that we're born leaders. What Jesus does instead is he makes us in the leaders. And it's the process that really helps us grow because then we learn how to rely on him, right? And how to pray to him and how to ask for help and how to ask other people for help, which grows our community and it enriches our lives. And we learn how to do consistently what other people only know how to do occasionally. And so the question is, is what's your next step today? You're a Christ follower and you realize, you know, there are some things in my life that I do occasionally that I think God's calling me to do consistently, lean into that. Is it to be a good example to model better the things of Christ in your life, to your family, to your neighbors, to your coworkers? Is it to challenge those around you, challenge yourself? Again, maybe it's a good time to get in a group. Groups are forming now. I'd love to help you get plugged in. And for some of you in the room, that the first step in becoming a better leader is to follow Jesus for the very first time, to place your trust in him that he is who he says that he is. And I'd encourage you to do that, to put your trust in the one who is going to trust you with more than you could possibly ever imagine, and to be challenged by Jesus, the one who's going to challenge the deepest parts of who you are, and to follow the leader. Let's pray together. Jesus, thanks. Thanks for who you are. Thanks for the example that you give us. Thanks for the way that you love us, for the way that you love the disciples and how you gave them a mission and how you give us a mission today to help people find and follow Jesus. Would you help us to take that next step towards you, whatever it might be, in our leadership, in our walk with you, in our personal life, wherever it is, would you give us the courage, Would would you give us the power, would you give us the strength? And Jesus, if there's somebody here who hasn't taken that first step, you to, to trust you with their life. Would you help them to cross a line of faith and to begin their faith journey today? Would you help us? We need your help. We need your guidance. Thank you for loving us the way you do. We pray all these things in Christ's name. Amen. Well, thanks again for joining us this morning. There's a couple things I want to tell you about. Uh, Passion Camp, there's an interest meeting, an info meeting, uh, after the 11 o'clock service today. So if you want to hang out for that, you're more than welcome to. If you want to come back for that, Passion Camp is uh, for uh, youth that they get to go away to an awesome conference. We showed a video of it last week. Uh, Some incredible life change happened through uh, worship and singing and through God's word there. So you'll want to send your student to that. And then the other thing is that groups are forming right now for the fall, so it's not too late to get plugged in to a group. If you need any help with that at all, there's a ton of groups on the website that you can go and find that list and see which one might be a good fit for you. Uh, But if you have any questions about them whatsoever, I'm gonna make my way out there so you can ask me to. um, But thanks again for hanging out with us this morning. I hope you have a great rest of your Sunday.